0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, and today we got a bunch of news again to talk about. There's still more signings flowing in and stuff like that, so we will be talking about that. Uh, unfortunately, we have to start with um, some stuff that, you know, is more tough to talk about. Uh, this week, one of the biggest stories in hockey uh, was the Mitchell Miller story that broke about, uh, you know, the Arizona Coyotes draft pick. So... Uh, if anyone didn't see it, um, the Arizona Coyotes drafted a guy called Mitchell Miller as their first pick in the fourth round of the NHL entry draft this past year and, uh, came out that when he was in grade eight, he, uh, assaulted and bullied a black mentally disabled team, um, for, you know, years, uh, and calling him things like, um, you know, racial slurs and all that stuff. There's a whole bunch of just horrific stories about what he did and, um, yeah, that came to light today or, you know, this week. And there was a lot of questions about what on earth the Coyotes are doing. And, uh, you know, the Coyotes uh, apparently have wanted to make him, you think he's changed. Um, but there was also a report that said like 90% of the teams that interviewed him thought that he hadn't been remorseful for whatever he had done at all. And to the fact that the the person's mom who he did bully to came out and said they still haven't even apologized about it. So, um this is something we got to talk about. Unfortunately, you know, like it's been a couple months, you know, probably six or seven months. I was, I think since the last thing, like, well, not quite, there was the, the, uh, um, whatever you want to call it in the playoffs, holdout doesn't seem the right word, but for, uh, you know, equality, but it's something that when this stuff comes up, you can't just push it to the side. You got to talk about it. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's worth bringing up. And this was, this is by far the biggest hockey story of the week.
0: Yes, this trumps anything signing related, you know, like the biggest free agent could have signed this week. And this still needs to be the biggest story that people talk about.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this was
0: like, I'm not surprised
1: by much things that come up that are like uh, sort of black marks on hockey. But wow, this was fucked up.
0: Yeah, this is bad. I mean, like, there's stories about how, like, they forced him. I think it was, to, like, eat something like eat a lollipop that they had thrown in a urinal or something. Like, it's just, like... He
1: had to get an um, AIDS test because of
0: it? Yeah, like, he had to get tests for HIV repeatedly because of it. It's just, like, oh, my God. Like, like and the thing to me is, like, so, you know, and there's the classic people jump out in the fan and go, oh, you can't judge a guy for what he did. We all did bad things in eighth grade. Again, like, the two sides of that. One... I did some shitty things when I was in eighth grade. I didn't force a kid to get an AIDS test because you forced them to eat something out of a urinal. I didn't yeah. call someone the N word repeatedly thinking it was hilarious. You know? Yeah. Like, exactly. like there's, there's dumb things
1: that everybody do does or whatever. But like when I saw this story, they were talking about bullying and I was like, like I was expecting maybe he like, beat a kid up once or not that these are good things, but like, are you just like made fun of a kid too much or whatever. But then when you read the story, like everybody has witnessed bullying, not everybody including myself has witnessed this or anything remotely close to it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, (sighs) there's just so many layers of the story. And so the other thing about was like, oh, well, they could change. And yes, people absolutely do change. The thing is for change, you need to show that you've done some kind of change and he's done nothing of the sort.
1: No, exactly. Like his mom, specific, like the victim's mom, sorry, Isaiah specifically came out and was like, he has not apologized to our son. And if you can't even bring yourself to say you're sorry, like why, why would anyone assume that you've, change dramatically if i'm sorry is too much for you to say
0: yeah exactly so it's like it's one of those things where um you know it's just like the the coyotes need to explain why and and the next thing you know the next thing i saw come out in a couple days is that they want to you know have him be the targeted ad of like an anti-bullying thing it's like no you don't need this guy to be a poster board for something you know you're just putting his fucking name out there then for something that he still needs to apologize for it's like It's just, it's disgraceful. Um, You know, like, what a, like, just there's a serious explanation that needs to be more than the bullshit little message that the Coyotes organization put out, you know, like.
1: Yeah. And it'd be almost like spiteful for this mom who's come out and been like, hey, he hasn't said sorry. And for obviously Isaiah himself. And then to see him on the front of an anti-bullying campaign, like that's the biggest fuck you you could possibly imagine for this guy who literally tortured you as a kid.
0: Yeah, like it's just it's it's incredibly messed up, and um, you know, there's it's just it's it's disgraceful, really, like, and um, you know, like this is it's brutal, and you know, we there's been a lot of talk about hazing and stuff like that, in, in junior leagues and stuff, but this is just like, I don't know, like words can barely ex- describe how disgusting it is, like, like honestly.
1: Yeah, like I was I was chock reading this this like I said the bullying headline like. Bullying does not even begin to describe. And if you haven't read the story, um, reading some of the details, I don't really want to repeat, but, like, yeah, it was beyond messed up.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, I hope he never sets foot in an AHL arena, let alone an NHL arena. Like, I just – the guy seems like, you know, I couldn't care less, you know. Like, I, I hope his career's over. If you do something like that and you're not even a bit apologetic about it. And the other thing is, like, like, hockey's, a, hockey's not, a, 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 you know, like, you don't deserve to play hockey. You know, you don't just get to play hockey. It's a privilege, you know? Like, yeah, it's
1: a privilege, not a right. Well, that was the other thing. People are like, well, aren't you, wouldn't it be sad if this guy's talent was wasted or whatever? It's like, yeah, well, not as sad as some guy being tortured, essentially. Yeah,
0: and, he, like, the dude's been on suicide watch ever since. Like, like, like that's way more, like, I don't know. Like, just, uh, again, I feel like most people listening to us are probably, you know, not shocked by this is the stance we're taking, but if for some reason you are, I mean, you know, you really got to give your head a shake and think about it, you know, why this just isn't okay and why, you know, people need to actually show that they're changing, not just say, oh yeah, I want to change or whatever, or I regret that. Like there's, it's two very different things.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this isn't just people guessing either. Like there's the judge from the case specifically coming out and saying that he doesn't believe the guy
0: was actually sorry. Yeah. So Um, you know, I I don't have, uh, I don't have much more to say about that than that. You know, like it's just, it's a a horrible situation and I think Arizona needs to answer for it. You know, like that's, uh, it's gross. It's disgusting, quite truthfully. And the other thing, okay, there was one other thing I wanted to touch on it. And, um, I think the people heads were in the right place here, but I saw a couple just like scouting sites that were like we had this guy ranked, but we didn't know about it. So we're sorry. We didn't, we wouldn't have had him ranked if we known about like the background on this stuff. You don't need to apologize for that. Like you're making the story about you by trying to come out and apologize for having him on your boards when literally no one knew about this stuff. Like, and that's a small thing. I I, like, I get the, the people are in the right place, but like, there was one that I saw that was just like, our company X feels really bad that we had this guy on our board for the 2020 NHL draft, you know. If we would have known this, we would have never drafted him. It's like, well, yeah, no kidding, but like you don't really need to come out and say that, you know? Like
1: Yeah, exactly. I saw a lot of that too and it was like Yeah, you get the idea, but it's like this like does this really help like do anything right now? Like Yeah, this exactly.
0: Game? And like, you know, like, again, like, I don't know, like that that's not, obviously that is nowhere near the biggest issue here just because it's like, it, it is what it is, right? Like, you know, there's people whose head was in the right place, but it's like, when you do that, it's just, it reads more as you're taking away from the actual issue and more just like, Oh, look at what our site did. Like, yeah, we're, we're good people, you know? And like, that's obviously not, I think what most people were trying to do, but it's just one of those things that comes off that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Like it was just, it was weird to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and on the same side, it was also weird to me how many people suddenly had details about this that went, Oh yeah, by the way, we knew about it because it's not enough to um for teams to just know about this past incident, but not say anything. You need to go above and beyond and not being a shitty person and being like, yeah, this is not right for people drafting it. But I don't mean not necessarily people in the organization, because I'm assuming you'd get fired for saying that, but like, there was like a ton of reporters that just suddenly knew all about this story, and was like, "Yeah, we were like, we didn't really want to talk about it back in draft day." It's like, "Well, why not?" Like, you yeah, need that to bring was that stuff up.
1: You when I was gonna push back on that a second ago because, like, by the sounds of it, a whole bunch of pe- even people who have like six hundred followers that I follow on like draft Twitter were like, "Yeah, we were aware of this," and like obviously it's not on them to break this story, but there seemed to be a lot of people who, um. Like should have known and should have really brought this up that did not.
0: Yeah, exactly. So like, I don't like I don't know how you approach that, but it's it's one thing if you just had no idea, but it's another if you absolutely knew and you just decided not to say anything. But you know, uh, you know, like you're you're being part of the problem if you know and you decide not to say anything and let him get drafted in the fourth round. You know, like.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's not like they're gonna stop it, but like it would still I and I don't want to go too hard in case there is an article out there that I missed, but like, I don't believe there was like, this was like written about widely publicly at the time.
0: No, not at all. I don't think it was written at, like, I I know one guy had an article out, I think from, but it was on like around draft day, but you know, that was like, it was literally like one article and I think that was about it. But um, yeah, I don't know. So that is what I would question as well. But um, I, I really don't have much more to say on the topic. It's, disgusting i really hope you know unless he's can actually prove he's changed which absolutely nothing has shown so far that he has i hope he never steps foot on an nhl ice rink ever
1: yeah exactly good riddance if that
0: is the end of mitchell level never in the nhl so um we actually have a couple more not huge names really but a lot more bigger names this week than i thought we might have of had signed so we'll run through a few of those um uh, a couple, couple low, you know, I think we still see COVID kind of impacting everything, but a couple big money signings as well, or bigger money anyways. Um, so we'll just go down my list here. We'll start with Toronto. Uh, Travis Dermott signs a one-year deal at his, pretty much his qualifying office, off offer, sorry, $874,125. Um, you can't really say too much about this other than like, damn, like what a good value contract for the year.
1: Yeah, exactly, and this is kind of cheating because in terms of, like, cost per point, the best contracts are all going to be guys who can't make that this much money, but if you do, like, cost per war at the end of the season, Dermott's contract could be reasonably close to the top, at least for defensemen by the end of the year, and when yeah. your team's signing contracts like that, that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, like, three contracts on Toronto now. Like, Spezza, Thor- Spezza was one last year where it was him and, like, Ennis, I think, were up there for, you know, most war per... 100k or whatever because they were both on 700k deals and is on it again and thornton's on it again this year too so there's two guys where you could really see them having the potential of being like top 20 skaters in you know war per dollar
1: yeah and that's great there's uh
0: that's exactly what you want to see your team doing yeah literally like this is one of the only contracts that no one complained about uh for toronto um you know even like the the Uh, mainstream media you know I listen to Overdrive a lot and I think they're hilarious but you know sometimes I question their hockey takes but they were discussing about like even this they're just like they think he's a six slash seven right now I think he's much closer to a four slash five but it doesn't matter what you think Travis Dermott is you're not getting much better value for this than you know someone who's clearly an NHL defenseman
1: yeah exactly like I I would agree with you that he's closer to a four slash five people are really down on him after last season for whatever reason but like his aggregate results in the NHL so far are reasonably good. They're definitely better than his contract implies at the moment.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, it, um, you know, so you you have you look at their blue line and it's crowded. Like, they got, we talked about this a lot, but they got a lot of guys on their team just all over the place. So it'll be interesting to see how they depl- they're deployed because um, the one of the things they were talking about on Overdrive was so, you know, Muzzin, and Riley, and Brody will be in the lineup 100%, right? That makes sense. Yep. Then you have um, Hall, who you know at two million for three years. You know, three years, two million per. You would assume he's going to be starting in the lineup, right? I would. And think then so. you would assume that Bogosian, he's going to be on the edge. So it'll probably be. And um, you know, Brian Hayes was saying that Mikko Lettinen is probably a lock to start in the lineup because it feels like one of the ways that the Leafs get so many guys from. Um, overseas is, you know, they kind of say you're making the team right out of camp. It doesn't mean you're going to stay there, but, you know, like Zaitsev made it, Ozheganov made it, um, I'm blanking on uh, uh Mikheyev made it right out of camp, right? And, like, obviously he's got to earn it, but if he looks good in camp, he's going to be on the starting roster. So then it's like, well, do you just swap around Dermot, Bogosian, Hall, and Lettinen, I guess, in the the bottom four, really?
1: Yeah, I assume some version of that. Like, I don't – it's it really is a logjam so much so that I wouldn't be surprised if they make a move still.
0: Yeah, well, like, because all of that, you know, so there's seven legitimate NHL defensemen, and that doesn't even talk about Sandine or Lilligren in the minors. Yeah,
1: because Lilligren I'm not – I don't think is nearly as likely to make the team. But, like, if Sandine's ready, you are absolutely not blocking his development to put
0: Zach Bogosian as your 6D. Like, that would yeah. just be asinine. Exactly. And, you know, maybe they're banking on if there's, you know, bubbles or whatever, if the AHL doesn't start up right away, that they're going to be able to carry 26 skaters instead of 20 or whatever. And that would be hugely beneficial to them, I would assume, but. Yeah, I think that would be very beneficial to them. um, Yeah. So, and then I think that was the only Toronto related news this week. So we'll move on to a former Toronto player uh, and also former Canuck uh calgary signing another former vancouver canuck in the name of josh levo for um one year 875k we talked last year uh, last week about how i don't really like calgary's offseason from a long term but i've really liked how they short up the depth and this just reinforces that i i love josh levo as a player yeah i think levo's a perfect
1: depth piece in calgary especially because the top guys didn't get it done last year but it's reasonable enough to expect that they will this year. And at that point, it's just up to the depth scores. And I think Josh Levo is great at that. He's not going to be on a top line or anything like that, but you need a third line score. He's your guy.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a shame he got hurt last year. Cause he was looking really good on the top line with Patterson. Now, obviously, you know, anyone looks kind of good with Patterson. So it's not like he's a first line player, but I really yeah. think that he is a solid middle six guy where it's like, he can be, you know, on your second line and even, like, not an active liability on your second line either. Or, you know, he can be very, very good on your third line as well. So,
1: Yeah, exactly. And I should say he's not going to
0: carry a top line.
1: Obviously, anybody can play on a top line if the guys next to you are good enough. But
0: Yeah, but, I mean, he's that perfect kind of guy where it's, like, for Calgary. I mean, I don't know if they will, but you load up a top line of, say, Goudreau, Monahan. Like, if Levo's playing on the right there, it's not the worst top line in the league, by any means, you know, and then you go, Kachuk, Lindholm, whoever. Like, I don't really know. However, you want to split up the next couple lines, but you know, they have enough depth now where it's like they can kind of mix and match up front, anyways.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a nice little piece for them. I didn't love a lot of their signings, but this is one of those ones that you absolutely cannot complain about.
0: Yeah, and then on the back end, they signed Nikita Nesterov, who's been out in Russia for the past couple of years. Um, for 700K, and feels like, a, you know, he's 27. feels like a low enough risk signing to me.
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard to complain about a $700,000 contract.
0: Again, a lot less upside here than the Levo one, but. The last time we saw him was 16, 17, and he was with Tampa and then Montreal for that year, too. He looked all right. Like, he wasn't a bad NHL player, but it'll be interesting to see exactly what he can do. I, I think he'll just kind of be like a bottom pair defenseman who, you know, maybe he's a healthy scratch as well. Um, yeah know, like, and
1: it's if that's all he is it's not the worst thing to have depth this year so
0: good for yeah exactly so I don't I mean, I mean like uh, I like Calgary's off season for this year anyways like I think they're I think it's fair to say that they're a better team now than they were at the end of last year and if, if not just for getting Jacob Markstrom for a year and even if Markstrom's 85% of what he was last year I think that's still better than you know um, Cam Talbot and no, I, I like Cam Talbot too but yeah, it's just not a
1: particularly high bar to clear.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, he's just average, right, at best, whereas Markstrom at best last, for the last year and really the past two years has been a top-five goalie. Now, can he com- continue that? That's a much different question, but uh, uh, we'll see. Um, Buffalo made a trio of signings this week, and all pretty big names, I would say, for well for their team anyways. Um Let's start with the biggest one, in my opinion, Sam Reinhardt, one year, $5.2 million. Uh, this feels like good value for him right now, but you know, after this contract's up, they're going to want to get him to a little bit more long-term. He's still not, he's 24 years old, so he's still an RFA after this one, but uh, I would assume next year they're going to look to try and sign him five, six, seven-ish years. God, I would hope
1: so. I, like, I don't, I don't really know what the plan is in Buffalo if you're letting players like Sam Reinhardt walk, so... I don't know. I guess it's good that they get him under contract for this year. He's probably worth more than $5 million. And then you can hash out a long-term deal with him with a little more cost certainty about where the cap's going to be in the future, maybe.
0: Yeah. I would assume that's kind of what the plan is. I mean, he's their third best forward right now, probably. So, you know. Um, Should be and, the
1: second by the end of the deadline.
0: I was going to say, yeah, third best forward, um, you know, or if Hall just doesn't bounce back like we we hope he is, but <laughs> You know, he's one of the better forwards. He's one of the only bright spots on their team for the past couple of years. Um, and honestly, like, I don't know. This team, they're not, their blue line sucks still. That, that's going to be the issue. Like, That's impressively bad.
1: It's, it's almost hard to judge guys like Reinhardt because his numbers have been impressive, but maybe they would be even better if he had played with one defenseman who could make a breakout pass in the first five years of his career.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Like, it's impressive he made of this. And then the other forward they signed, Victor Olofsson, two years, $3 million AAV that broke today as we're recording. Um, you know, he had his big uh, – well, rookie year. It is a rookie year at um, 24 years old last year, scoring 20 goals, 22 assists for 42 points in 54 games. Um, I think $3 million for two years is a pretty solid bet for him. You know, even if he's not a 20-goal scorer, 40-point guy, if he can chip in 15 goals and – 40 points for you in the next couple of years. That's probably, that's well worth 3 million, I would assume.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you, it's one of those nice deals that his shooting percentage can regress heavily enough and it still looks perfectly fine.
0: Yep, exactly. So, um, you yeah, I, I don't really have much to say on that. And then net they signed uh, Linus Olmark to a one-year deal, $2.6 million. So they're going to with Hutton and Olmark again as their two O. um, Again, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but it's like everyone keeps saying, "Oh, Omar, he's a future starter. He's a future starter." The dude's twenty-seven years old, so when's he gonna take the starting reins? Like,
1: yeah, exactly. And he was he was decent enough last year, so maybe this year is the year. But like, at some point, you're looking for that step sooner rather than later, or else it's just not coming. Essentially,
0: yeah, no kidding. Like, there's not too many guys like Kemper and Ranta that just at twenty-nine jump to being one of the best goalies in the league. And again, he was fine last year. Six goals saved above average and minus five above expected. Um, you know, and like part of that is his team, and you know, like he's he's a fine goalie. But it's like if this is your plan in for like the next six years, you're you could be in trouble. You know, like you you probably will be in trouble if I'm being honest.
1: Yeah, like you, you got to do something.
0: Now they do have the uh, the god an ukopeka Pekalukinen that we were talking about earlier today offline, but. Um, you know, so maybe they're just hoping that he can be a stopgap for two years until he can get an NHL, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like I was always like, every time I hear someone say, it's just like, oh yeah, he's their future starter. It's like, hey, he's not young anymore. So when's this starter coming? Like, when are we seeing that dude?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like at some point you, uh, you do need to see that step.
0: Yeah. Like you would hope so anyway. So I don't know this Buffalo team is, um, they're an interesting group. That is for sure. I don't, uh. I don't know. Like, I I don't know what to expect out of that. I think they'll be a little more competitive. But that being said, like, pretty much all the bad teams this year, I think, got more competitive. Like, I don't think Ottawa is uh, great by any means. But I think it's fair to say they're better now than they were um, whenever the, in March whenever that season ended, right? Like, slightly better at least. Um, Detroit is the same thing. I don't think they're much better. But it's not like they added actual NHL players around their lineup. So they're like – marginally better so it's like even if buffalo gets marginally better here it's like how much how much is that gonna do if like there's not too too many teams stepping back either you know
1: yeah exactly and it's just kind of like basic regression to the main like when you're that bad you're probably gonna get slightly better although buffalo yes. I, like buffalo took more of a step than the other teams but like it's still not like they're scary
0: no like because it's like the problem is in their own division even it's like well who took a real big step back in the division you know like Montreal's offseason was questionable from a long-term standpoint. But, again, I think they probably by definition got better this year, just in terms of their on paper. not Like, anyways, like, I mean, uh, I don't – you know, Jake Allen for three years is absurd, but he's a much better backup than – could you even name who they had as a backup last year? Uh, no. I no, you, don't no know. you couldn't because it was like four different people because they all freaking sucked.
1: Yeah, so maybe that is a, a win for – or it should be a win for them, although it's stupid long-term. Yeah,
0: yeah I mean, it no. won't be a long-term. But, like, yeah, again, like you look at it one year. Tyler Toffoli's good this year. You know, I don't know. Anderson for Domi, that might be a downgrade. But it's not like they got significantly worse than what they were. I think they probably stayed the same if maybe got a little bit better. Toronto got better. Tampa's probably going to get worse. But, you know, Tampa's worse is the best team in the NHL. Same with Boston. You know, Boston probably got worse, but they're worse as a top-two team. Like, Buffalo's not catching any of those three teams. Florida probably got worse, but, like, I don't know. Like, I just don't see where Buffalo is clearly better than, you know, any of the teams ahead of them that were ahead of them last year.
1: Yeah, it sucks for them because I do agree, like, Tampa almost certainly will enter this next season with a worse roster than last season, but, like, they're in such a different stratosphere
0: from the Sabres that it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter at all. Like – you know, Tampa could lose Sergachev, and it's still just – Sergachev could go to Buffalo, and it still wouldn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Or Sorelli or any of them. Like, pick any
1: of the, the guys who Tampa might lose, even if they go to Buffalo. It's not exactly um, – it's not like they're scary all of a sudden.
0: No, it doesn't matter at all. So, um, stick. we got a bunch of um, um, Atlantic Division news here this week, but Ottawa had a pair of signings as well. So, we talked about the um, – Connor Brown won last week as it broke. And uh, then I think a day or two later, they went and signed Chris Tierney. Two years, three and a half million dollars. Um, so I, I like the Brown deal last year. I think this one's okay. I, I was surprised that it was two years, though. I, I'm not going to lie. I guess, like, you know, you still look, and if you go to their cap-friendly page, they have one, two, three, four, five, six forwards under contract next year, excluding Tierney. So this is seven and one of them's Austin Watson and another one's Nick Paul. So you have two fourth liners and then like no one in your top nine really under contract. Um, so I get maybe from that point, it's just like give a bit of insurance, but I would have thought that maybe they went one year with him and flipped him at the deadline this year, but maybe the course of action is go two years, have them play this year, have them play next year and flip him at the deadline next year.
1: Yeah. That I hope is the course of action. It's not like tyranny's great, but like you said, when you have so little people under contract, then. I guess it's fine. Helps you get to the floor and everything like that. Somebody does have to play on the NHL team and I guess they see him as one of those guys and good for him, I guess.
0: Yeah. It's not a bad contract. I was just, I was surprised about the term more than anything, you know, because again, the AAV doesn't really matter. They have $14 million in cap space still. Like it's just, I, I was a little surprised that they, um, They gave him the extra year i really would have thought the plan especially after signing datinov and seeing what they did to uh we're about to talk about i really would have thought the plan is just sign him one year and see who you need to flip at the deadline but
1: yeah that would be the best plan although it would be like
0: just marginally better because what are you getting for tyranny like a fourth round pick or something yeah but i mean i don't know like i i don't know i'd be okay with that and then he doesn't block a roster spot next year but Oh, At the same time, be, like Ottawa, does, he's not really blocking anyone in Ottawa's roster because he's a centerman, um, and that's one of the things that they really don't have on this NHL roster. Like, they yes. want Logan Brown to play center. They want Colin White to play center. But then after that, they have Artema Nisimov, Chris Tierney. Paul can play a bit of center, and now Galchenyuk can technically play center as well. Um, and so that was the other sign in the head. Alex Galchenyuk, one year, $1 million. This one surprised me. I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's fair enough. He was, like, he, he's not good. I don't know, Like he's, it's, I don't know. I saw a lot of people kind of complain. It's like, Oh, it's a reclamation project. It's like, okay, well like, you know, who's a better reclamation project, quote unquote, is Logan Brown. Who's now 22 years old. You still haven't seen what you got out of him in the NHL yet. And he's been over a point per game for two years in the AHL. Like.
1: Yeah. I was also going to let
0: these guys play.
1: I'd be a little pissed off that they weren't, "Quote unquote," afraid of having to maybe like afraid of the small possibility that they'd have to give Anthony Duclair like four million dollars so they let him walk, and they just gave three point five to Chris Tierney, who's worse.
0: Yeah, like well, that's the thing, right? Like it just doesn't. I don't know. Like and apparently Duclair wanted more than four at more than two years or something like that. So, like I just it, it's one of those things where it's like I don't really understand. And this goes to the Galchenyuk thing too. It's like. Players are good, but at at one point – and then, like, apparently they're linked to Corey Perry now too. Where does Corey Perry fit in this fucking lineup? Like, you have so many guys that you're already pushing it. Right now, as it sits, if you want to keep both Balthers and um, um, Chlapik up in the majors, which you should because they're 23 and you need to know what you have out of them, the only way Stutzel makes the lineup is through injuries from one of the 14 forwards that are on the team right now. Or thirteen forwards, yeah. I should say, unless, which is like unless
1: like either you know. sending one of those guys down, which yeah, I don't think it would be smart, but
0: and I mean like if Stutzel plays a year or half or part of a year in the minors, it's not the biggest deal in the world. It's just like your number three overall pick, who everyone said was NHL ready right away. It's like you've signed so many damn bad just players that like you don't even have room for him. And for some reason, there's this narrative going around since Twitter right now that the NHL isn't a development league. And I don't know what on earth that is, because if you look around, any player develops in the NHL, even the ones that get stuck in the minors for two or three years come up and still get better in the NHL.
1: Yeah. Aging curves exist specifically because players get better while playing in the NHL all of the goddamn time, especially
0: at a young age. Well, and like I get people are like kind of scarred by the CCs of the world, but do people forget that Brady Kachuk made the team as an 18-year-old and, like, was amazing when he started and has gotten better since?
1: Yeah, like, it's, it's more than possible, right? It's one of the things where it's, like, saw him bad once, like, because it happened to CeCe and Lazar, then they're like, oh, it ruined them? It's like, the Occam's Razor suggestion is they probably just weren't going to be NHL players to begin with. It is highly unlikely, to me anyways, that that is the stop straw that broke the camel's back and made them bad.
0: Yeah, well, like, especially Lazar, like, I don't know, like, you don't need to throw this dude to the Wolves, but play him on third line, like, that's not going to hurt anything, he's already playing in the DEL, like, it's not like he's not used to playing against grown men, like, I just, I I don't get it, so it's like, if they sign someone like Corey Perry, it's like, okay, not only are you not letting Stutzel play, now you're going to either have to send down one of, like, Brown, Norris, Batherson, Balsers, like, one of those you know, big four or five prospects that you really need to see. And people are like, oh, you don't want to just hand prospects a job. No one's saying the prospects need to play 82 games. If you get prospects in there for the first 10 games and they suck, you go, guess what? We got NHL talent waiting. We're going to put them in instead. And that that helps them learn their lesson. But like, eventually you need to see what you have out of these guys.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially when they have so many guys who are like point a game-ish in the AHL. It's like, I don't know what – You want them to do, yeah?
0: Well, that's so. Like already done. I sent you a tweet, and someone was pretty much saying, like, I wonder if they're just going to load Belleville up because it's unfinished business. Uh, You have no idea how quickly someone needs to be fired if that's their thinking. Uh, Like, who cares about? I'm I'm sorry, but who cares about Belleville? If you've got four guys who've shown you they're clearly better than the AHL, don't let them go back down the AHL for another year just so they can win their championship. That doesn't mean shit. All I'm sorry, it doesn't. Or, you know, if that's the case, let them go down once your season inevitably ends because you suck, and then put them down in Belleville at the end of the year. And then they can do their playoff run,
1: you know? Because, like,
0: I don't get it.
1: Like, it's such a big informational advantage. They're only competing against themselves here, too, is the worst part. Like, to know whether Josh Norris and Rudolph Balsers are NHL players and, like, you can plan to have them in your middle six in the future because of how good they've been in the AHL is, like, such an important thing to know going forward. Like, why would you not try to find that out as soon as
0: possible? Yeah, or, like, you know how much different this franchise looks if they know that Logan Brown can be a legitimate 2C in the league versus if he's not? Like, you know, like, having that information is so important. I mean, yeah. this is the year you should be doing it.
1: Yeah. There's no better time than the present because I mean, if they're bad, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Like, exactly. It's like, well, you know, and like, obviously again, you don't want to just throw them to the walls, but that's why you sign those guys. You can surround them with some actual NHL talent and you know, they can be fine. So if they look bad, like then, then you should be planning for how to fix that in the future, because odds are you can't just rely on it, but like just sending them down and the thing with bolsters and uh, schlapic as well, they both require waivers. You're telling me a team like Detroit isn't going to take a flyer on a 23-year-old Rudolph Balsers who just had an amazing year in the AHL?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of good teams that should take a flyer on a 23-year-old who just had a point-per-game season in the AHL, especially since he's so cheap and everyone's so cash poor this year. Like, that's he's not making it through waivers, you would hope not anyways.
0: Exactly. Same with Philip Chlapik, and it's like, maybe they do, but that's such an unnecessary risk when, you know, the alternative is you had to do it because you're playing Corey Perry and Austin Watson.
1: Yeah, it's it's not like uh, like or even like Chris Tierney, who's better than those guys. But like, if Chris Tierney costs you Rudolph Ballsters, probably just, meaningless. Yeah. But also, there's way more upside in Ballsters than any. It's ability. just bad
0: asset management, no matter what, because you sign a guy just to lose another guy for free. Like it just it doesn't make sense. You know, yeah, like, a
1: younger guy with more
0: upside. Yeah, so, um, and, you know, I don't think that tier- Tierney was always going to be on this team. I was just surprised about the thing. But, you know, if Galchenyuk and, say, they signed Corey Perry, cost you, like, one of Walzer's or Trelapic, and then also means Stutzel can't play in the majors, I, I just, I, I don't know what to say. Like, that seems like just bad asset management. And I'm fine with depth. Like, every team's going to need depth. But at the same time, it's like Ottawa has surrounded themselves with so many just meh NHLers that it's like, what is the goal here right now?
1: Yeah, it looks like, looks like they're just trying to be competent enough while they come last-ish.
0: Yeah, which I get. Like, and also, like, okay, I don't know, we got to get off this ramp, but I saw, like, I think it was Frank Saravelli that was like, oh, yeah, Ottawa's had one of the best offseasons. And if you include the draft, sure, they've had a very, very good one just because you had the third and fifth overall pick, so you got two top ten talents or whatever in the draft no matter what, right? But, like, their actual offseason, in terms of a signing perspective, has been mad to bad. Like, you know, like I, I like the add enough signing, but like they've added good Branson for a pick at four million million, three three years of Austin Watson for a pick. Like,
1: yeah, and there's uh, the other thing with the draft, too, where like, In terms of absolute value, they add more value than most teams, but, like, you better fucking add more absolute value than most teams when you're picking at three and five. Like, in terms of value above expected, I don't think anybody believes they did anything special.
0: And when you had 12 picks in the first – or nine picks in the first three rounds or whatever. Like, I I don't know. Like, it just – it's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, they've had better offseason than anyone else. It's like, no, no, they haven't. Like, they're better now, but, like, and their their long-term outlook's probably better now, but it's just like – Compared to expectations, especially not, but even just like in general. No, I don't think they have, but whatever. That's, that's a different ramp for a different day. Um, let's move on to Detroit. They made a signing. Uh, they signed Tyler Bertuzzi to a one-year deal, $3.5 million. He was one of the few, very, very, very few bright spots for this team last year. Um, three and a half for one year. Feels like a good payday for the player um, and a good value for the team. Uh, 48 points in 71 games, 47 and 73 the previous year. So he's a borderline, he's about a 45 point player per year, about yeah, probably 50 if he can get up to 82 games played. Three and a half million dollars is a very good value for that, but it's only one year.
1: Yeah, it's it's a fine enough deal. It, obviously it's a good deal. He gets to make three million dollars instead of like one to plan on a terrible team. So great for him, I guess. He's probably worth more than that, I and mean, he'll get his payday in the future because of the way the NHL's pay structure works. But for now, good for him, I guess.
0: Yeah, and it kind of reminds me yeah. of the Reinhardt deal, just lesser. You know, like, he's not as good as a player. He didn't get paid as much. But I think they'll both, they're both they both 25. They're both about to be an RFA again this year. So um, they'll both probably get paid next summer.
1: Yep, same idea.
0: Which is fine. You know, I think both sides like that at this point because Bertuzzi, you know, like, uh, with the escrow being so fi- high up, Um, you've seen all the, all the contract bonuses have, um, they used to be like when Tavares signed, it was a high bonus year one. Right. But with escrow so high, people are doing the high signing bonuses in years three and four, because uh, that's when it's supposed to be down by then. So, yeah. Um, let's see. Another big one, one last big signing and one smaller one. Uh, we'll do the big one first. Devon Tave signs with the Colorado Avalanche four years, $4 million AAV, $4.1 $4.1 million AAV if we want to pull hairs. Um, great deal. Great deal.
1: Yeah, fantastic contract <laughs> after a fantastic trade.
0: Yeah, and so you give up two seconds and you get uh, a legitimate top pair defenseman uh, for his the rest of his prime pretty much at $4 million, um, just a shade over. No, no move clause or anything. So they are going to be a very interesting team in the um, – um, uh, expansion draft um, yes. they are going to yes. lose one of burakovsky kadri or taves depending on who they expose um i to me like i, I can't oh, yeah. remember how they did it eric it's has a good. eric johnson has a no move yeah and like i don't know if they would even want him to wave like they might even protect him anyways but you know you know uh, mccarr is going to be protected and i would assume gerard is going to be protected at 22 years old
1: Oh, for sure, that would be there, too, beyond Johnson.
0: Yeah. So, then, go in the team? yeah, so then it depends what they do up front. You know, they're going to protect Ranton and McKinnon Landeskog, obviously. Um, so then it depends if you want to go – it's it's seven and three, right? So if you want to protect Burkoski, Kadri, and Nachushkin or whoever whoever the seventh one is, right, you're going to lose a defenseman. Or you could go four and four, and you can go Ranton and McKinnon, Landeskog, one of Kadri or Burkoski, and then – Protect, Johnson, Taves, McCarr, and Gerard.
1: Yeah, I I think that's the move because you don't want to lose Taves. No, I don't think you do either.
0: But maybe maybe, maybe you do say that, you know, like when – because, well, that's this year, so never mind. I think it was in two years. It's like if you lose 20, years 29 and 30 of them, it's not the biggest deal. But I guess it's just one year that you get out of them, so – yeah, I don't really see how you can justify exposing Taves if you just gave up 2 seconds for him.
1: No, that would, like that
0: would that would hurt. And like I like Burkoski, I think and he had a real good you know, you know a fine year with uh the Avalanche, especially in the playoffs I thought he played a bit better, but uh you know, he had a good year I would say actually, but like I like I don't know, like if it comes between Burkoski and Taves, I'm choosing I'm, like I'm losing Burkovski, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's a lot easier to replace the middle six-scoring winger than it is to the top four um, great underlying numbers, puck moving defensemen.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, like, I don't know. To me, I think it's uh, probably a choice enough that you just yeah, – yeah, you know, I think um, Burkowski will probably be the odd one out here. But they- they'll be an interesting team to watch for sure because they are flushed with talent. Yes, yes, they are.
1: And, yeah, they, they got away with one here because the one sort of danger in trading for an RFA – It can look bad because sometimes you have to give them an ugly contract, but they didn't even get sucked into that. Like this was just perfect for them.
0: Yep, exactly. And part of that is because I think a lot of Tay's value uh, comes from the fact that he um, doesn't put up a ton of counting stats either, right? Like a lot of his value is just like the stuff you don't always – you have to actually look for. So that probably helped things as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's always easier to sign a guy whose primary talent isn't the points or, like, passing
0: shooting, I guess. Um, I guess there's two signings. One we missed because it was today. It was a coach. Rick Bonus is officially made the head coach of the Dallas Stars. I don't have a ton to talk about. This is the least surprising thing of the offseason. You know, you take over midway through the year and you lead the team to a Stanley Cup final appearance. Seems like a pretty good reason to extend the coach. Um, I don't have much opinion on him one way or the other. but
1: Yeah, there are very few better ways to secure the job than uh, what he just did, and good for him.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, and I, I didn't see the details or anything, but uh, I don't really care about coaching contract details because unless it's the Mike Babkar contract and even that he got fired from. So, uh, you know, uh, odds are that if it's more than a three-year deal, if it's two years of them not being as good as they think, he's going to get fired.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, and it's, so, it all doesn't affect the cap or anything. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then the last deal, uh, one, or sorry, two years, one point uh, three million dollar cap hit. Hayden Flurry signed with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, what do you think of this deal, Chase?
1: Um, I mean, I guess it's a contract. I don't think Hayden Flurry is particularly good, but it's not a big contract.
0: He was always—he seemed to be like he's twenty-four already, so he's always one of those guys where it's like, oh, and they have Hayden Flurry in the miners. It's just like, well. No, not really. Like Hayden Flurry's a guy who's kind of is what he is probably now, which is like a yeah. third pair defenseman.
1: Yeah, like he's not an active liability, but he's not good. Like you're you're not happy that he's on the ice. You're just not sad that he's on the ice, which is I guess a virtue for 1.3 million dollars maybe. Like it's it's fine.
0: It's disgusting how good their blue line is. They have the I think they have a better blue line than Nashville.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. Especially post Suban being elite slash Suban yeah. training, They absolutely
0: do, I would say. I don't I still I still don't understand why they traded for Brady Shea because he's probably their fifth best defenseman. But like Yeah
1: like I'd rather have
0: Gardner. Probably Gardner was how- really like his underlings were okay this year, but apparently he looked really bad just because of his back and stuff. So he that's concerning.
1: That. But but like assuming he can be healthy with all this time off, like Jake Gardner oh. is a better player than brady shea and brady shea had team. a
0: rebound year last year and i would still call him a three slash four at best as a rebound like i think he's like a number four defenseman and like like it depends how much like i would give Joakim ryan a chance in the top four because he's shown that he's a really good underlying defenseman you know like
1: yeah exactly and like but it, it's one of those things where if you have a bounce back but you have like four years previously where you're not great then like you probably shouldn't read a ton into the bounce back
0: yeah, like that that's questionable, but like they just look at it. Like Hamilton is a top three defenseman in my opinion. Slavin is a top fifteen defenseman probably in that range. Yeah. Ish. Pesci's uh top forty?
1: Yeah, I'd put Pesci in like the muzzin range where like he's a definite two
0: and like he's he would Yeah, be so a like good thirty number. to forty ish right. probably. Yeah um and then you have like ryan shea and gardner where it's like they're all somewhere but they're between you know if they're healthy like gardner's probably a three when healthy right now i mean like what well, his peak years in toronto was even more than a three he was an easy two in toronto but i think now he's at 30 years old it's probably safe to say he's a three
1: yeah that that would sound about right he should be a second pair guy still yeah, boring. and Shea's a, a
0: second slash third, Joaquin Ryan's kind of a second slash third, and Flurry's a third, but it's like you have two legitimate number one defensemen, a one slash two defenseman as your third best guy, and then like three guys who can all play second pair if they need to, and then yeah. a guy who's a, like, it's just like they have a wealth of riches on their blue line, it's disgusting.
1: Exactly. It's like, well, like even a team like the Leafs has like three top pair of guys, but like when one of those top pair of guys is Dougie Hamilton, who's like probably was going to win the Norris this year. And then another is Jacob Slavin, who always is roughly in the 10 to 20 range. Like that's nuts.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, their blue line's gross. Um, The only uh, two other things we really have to talk about today, one, the World Juniors, and the other is the AHL and OHL start date. So the AHL and OHL came out, and both of them said they want to start by February. And I think the OHL said there was going to be eight total teams that make playoffs. Usually there's 16, eight on each side. But I think they said they're going to do four on each side this year. Um, But they still really haven't come out with how it's going to work just because of things like um, – there's a couple – uh, American teams in the HL. Right. So it's like, where are they going to play is borders going to be an issue, all that stuff. But, um, it's good news for, I think the HL that they're, they're wanting to start up. Ooh, breaking news from Elliot Friedman here. There's word Arizona will announce the rights for draft pick Mitchell Miller. Public shaming works. Yeah. So like if they, if they just like, yeah. yeah. So pretty much what that means is, you know, they're not, not that they didn't draft him, but they're going to let him go pretty much.
1: What a waste
0: for the coyotes. Like, yeah.
1: But, uh, was but, it that like, difficult to see this coming?
0: No, I don't think so. Um, like, it's better that they did the right thing, I guess. But, like, yeah, at the same time, it's like, you probably should have just, you know, known that, that this was going to be a thing because this is a huge issue. But
1: Yeah, like, this, whoever thought this was a good idea should probably be fired. Like, if this was so easy to see that this would blow up in your
0: face, yeah. Yep. Totally agree. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you know, again, as we said, I hope he never sets foot in an NHL rank until he shows you unless he showed he's completely changed. Um, you know, and there's nothing to show that. So.
1: Yeah. Like, do you think they just thought they would get away with it?
0: I I think so. Yeah. Honestly. Like, I mean, I, I really, I really don't know. They probably just thought, Oh, you know, we've seen enough times where it's like so person X has had personality questions, but we got over it just cause it's the NHL, you know, but like, this is just so much worse than, like, even, you know, Tony D'Angelo is a scumbag, but, like, this is, like, worse than anything. You know, he's had and he's had huge issues, too. Like, there's no reason he should be in an the NHL right now, and this is, just makes it look ten times worse.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, this, this is just beyond so many things that have happened in the past. Not that yeah. the things in the past are good either, but, like.
0: Yeah, it's still horrible, you know? Like, it's just one of those things that just, it's so bad, but. Um, well that's good news at least, you know, like that's the right outcome and just for you know, and that's why fans need to complain about this stuff. So that's good to see in terms of uh screw him kind of thing. Yeah, I
1: completely agree. Sucks to suck for him.
0: Yep, uh, yeah. Um uh so AHL OHL. That that uh HL especially getting kicking up is would be a really good thing for the league, just so you have you know, like imagine now all the AHL players and part like potential prospects or whatever. If they don't skate for a full year and a half, that would be so brutal. Oh yeah, there
1: was um this was in like not the Moneyball era, but who's Moneyball about? What's his name? Billy Bean. Yes, Billy Bean. When Billy Bean was drafted, there was like an era of wasted prospects because a whole bunch of them had to play with the pro team or something if you were drafted super high, so a whole bunch of super high guys just didn't play for like two years because they weren't good enough to play pro, but couldn't go down. And it just wasted a whole bunch of top talent. And you could see something like that, where some of the guys who were just toiling in the AHL could have had their careers ruined. So it's fantastic that the league is actually running.
0: Yeah. Or it wants to run anyways, you know, who knows what will happen, but even a shortened season of some kind would be much better than no season at all. So, um, World juniors, this, uh, you know, we don't talk about prospects very much on the show. We are the first to admit that we don't know too much about prospects, but my God, this could be a good world juniors class.
1: Yeah. The only, uh,
0: the only benefit
1: to the NHL not running over Christmas time is that the world juniors are usually fantastic.
0: Yeah. So it doesn't sound like Lafreniere is going to get lent to Canada. Unfortunately, however, last or yeah, last year's, was it third overall pick Kirby doc will be going to team Canada. The Blackhawks will be le- releasing him. Um, so Canada released their roster this morning. Um, and it's, it's disgusting. It is really good. (laughs) Like there are a lot of just really good looking names on there. Um, let me see if I can find it again. Um, but, uh, and uh, team Canada is not going to be the only one. I think the States are going to be gross. Uh, Germany's got a bunch of talent and that's even I hope Stutzel can come back and play for Germany. Um, but even if he can't, like, they're still going to be pretty – like, much better than people expect. Um, Sweden's going to be – you know, Sweden's been dominant every year, but I think they'll probably be even better than expected this year too. But just listen to this um, this lineup. So the goalies, I don't really know much about the goaltenders, um, but they have two two guys who have been picks. one who was a New York fourth-rounder and one who was a Florida seventh-rounder and then three 2021 draft eligibles. On defense, they have everyone who has been invited to the camp, except Owen Power, who's 2021 draft eligible. Everyone else has been drafted in some version or another. Some of the names, Boehm Byram, uh, Justin Barron, Jamie Drysdale, that guy, Uh, Caden Gooley, Thomas Harley. So there's um, five first-rounders I've named already. Um, Who else? Uh, Brandon Schneider, there's another first-rounder from 2020. Um and then that's about it for the big names. And then up front, you have um one, two, you have Quentin Byfield, uh Maverick Bork, uh Dylan Cozen, so there's three first rounders. Tyson Forrester, there's a fourth one. Uh, there's about 12 more first-rounders. No, probably more than that. About 15 more first-rounders that uh got names, So like Seth Jarvie, Jarvis, sorry, Seth Jarvis, Ridley Gregg, Dylan Holloway. Hendrix Lapierre, Connor McMichael, Dawson Mercer, Alex Newhook, Jacob Pelletier, Cole Perfetti, Jack Quinn, um, Ryan Suzuki. Like there's just Shane Wright, uh, 2022 draft eligible, the only 2022 draft eligible on team Canada, uh, their 46 man list. So like this year has uh potential to be like Oh five things of good where the whole tournament is just disgusting.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's the only benefit to this. It's perfect that all of the NHL, it's true best on best or generally, because maybe Lafreniere or whatever isn't there, but
0: yeah, like Lafreniere probably won't, won't be there. And um, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, a couple other guys probably aren't there either. You know, guys like Capo Caco is probably still, is still eligible this year. He probably won't be there either. Yeah, Same with, they um, it would be nice to see them there, but I, I don't know if Caco and, uh, uh, why am I blanking on his name Hughes jack Hughes yeah, jack Hughes. he would he would still be eligible, I think as well, but I don't think I don't think we'll see them there. I'd
1: be a little surprised, although I'm gonna hope that they are
0: there, yeah, but like all, all the talent, please send all the talent there because this is it is honestly the best time of the year, and you know if it's even if it's the return if it's the signal of return of hockey, that'll be so sweet, dude.
1: Oh, that would be a great – because everybody's going to be so starved for hockey by the time it rolls
0: around. Well, and just – like, there is a legitimate potential that every pick in the top ten of the 2019 NHL Draft is playing in this tournament. If, yep. Jack, Hughes, if Jack Hughes and Kako get loaned, Doc and Byram and Turcotte are probably – or Doc and Byram for sure are playing. I don't see why Turcotte wouldn't be playing. Mortis Sider will probably be playing. Dylan Cozens is playing. I don't see why Broberg, Broberg wouldn't be playing. Same with Trevor Zagras and Vasily he uh Colson. And then, you know, and then you have Soderstrom, Bolson, or Boldy. Spencer Knight, I think, is still eligible for this freaking tournament. And, like, he was, like, the disgusting goalie last year already. So, yeah, he'll be eligible again to play this year. So, like, he's going to be back. Like they, This should be a gross tournament. I am excited.
1: Yeah, it should be fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, I don't have any more uh, to say than that. Do you? No, I don't think so. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, you can find um, both of our work at LastWordOnHockey.com. Find my work at MileHighHockey.com. You can find me on Twitter at NHL Sentence and stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week.